Welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, I've got a special guest, but I'm going to let him introduce himself as we were just talking about mispronouncing organizational names. So hello, special guest. Who are you and who do you work for? Okay, sounds a bit like family fortunes there. <laughs> Hi, my name is Zishan Satar. I work for an organization called CompTIA. Not CompTIA, not CompTIA, CompTIA. And actually, it's a strange acronym, Holly. It's a, It stands for the Computing Technology Industry Association. So I hope that we'll... Uh, if anything, your listeners will get CompTIA right by the end of this episode. <laughs> so I, I have definitely learned something today. Uh, even though I am CompTIA certified, I have never been sure on how to pronounce that. So there we go. Uh, learning point of the day is the organization's name. But Sishan, um, what what do you do for CompTIA? So I've got a, a great uh, job title mm-hmm. and a great job, I would also say. Uh, I'm the Director for Learning and Skills Certification. So what actually that means is uh, going out and helping organizations such as corporates, academia, even government, creating learning programs that help uh, individuals to move on with their careers. So I've been involved in learning and training since 2007. And it's just one of those things that when you do, uh, you just can't uh, get enough of it. Once you're helping people with their lives and how to move in their careers, you just want to keep on doing more and more of that. Cool. So I think uh, people who will have heard of CompTIA will know them from the the certifications that the organization gives, right? And we can talk about those in a second. But you're saying there that you you help organizations to develop the learning within the company. Is that right? So let's start with a bit of history of CompTIA. We Mm -hmm. began in 1982 as an association. So we had uh, huge companies at the time, such as the IBM and Xeroxes, as well as some small companies which have grown up now, such as Microsoft and Apple. And they all came together to say, hey, let's do good for the industry. So that would be in terms of uh, lobbying the government, trying to do a bit of philanthropy work. But in the early 90s, something strange happened. The, these companies said, hold on a second, we have the same customers. So imagine an office environment in 1992 where there would be an IBM PC running Windows uh, OS. And in the corner, that might be a, a Xerox printer. So what this situation was, if an engineer went in from Xerox, if they had to update a printer driver, they're obviously affecting the Windows OS. They're obviously affecting the IBM hardware. So they wanted a gold standard where all the technicians and engineers could work towards and be at. So there was no case of anything might go wrong by accident. Uh, hence, they said, let's create a standard for IT technicians, which became the CompTIA Plus. Uh, and that certification still survives today. Uh, and it's become the minimal standard for a good IT technician to be at. Uh, before they're considered to be operational. Uh, We update our circuitries every three years, and so we actually updated the A-plus this year. So that has meant uh, that it's become one of the oldest and most trusted trusted circuitries out there. So CompTIA, very much a certification body, but the association still lives on. We have all these wonderful member organizations, um, you know, the names I've mentioned before, but we also have lots of mediums and small organizations as well. So the MSPs of the world, the managed service providers, as well as your big distributors and vendors, they all love to come together and say, okay, like every time, what is going on in the industry and what we can do to help. So definitely on the certification side, definitely on the association side, and very much on philanthropy. And, and now we're really much focusing on workforce development. That sounds awesome. And you mentioned the the A plus there, and that's uh, that's like a baseline certification, isn't it? So um, you guys get uh, get involved with the the very foundation, but it 
there's a, there's a roadmap for certifications that you've got, right? Yeah, so we want to kind of encourage uh, more and more people coming to the tech industry. Uh, we, as we all know, there's a skills gap out there. And you just can't wake up in the mornings and you know, be, say, you know, strip your shirt up and say, hey, I'm a cybersecurity superhero. You got to start somewhere. And we believe in a, in, a, in a pathway from entry to expert. So the journey that uh, we have proposed, and you can start anywhere in that journey, depending on your skills, knowledge and abilities. And we say, right, at the very junior level, if you're coming to a job role for the first time, that's the CompTIA Plus. So all our certifications are job role based and are vendor neutral, but not vendor absent. So for example, in the A+, we are talking about Windows, iOS, Android, Mac, and, um, and everything else in between. <laughs> so, uh, but we, we then move up the uh, pathway, say, you, know, you need to know something about networking. So that's where Network Plus comes in as a network admin, system admin. Then if you're looking for cybersecurity, we're actually taking out things are getting a bit serious. So we look at the security plus, and that's like almost like the baseline certification for all cybersecurity professionals. Uh, moving forward on the pathway, we have our cybersecurity analysts or CISA plus, uh, which is, gives you the blue team skills to defend and protect your network. But on the other side, we have the red team skills with Pentest plus, which of course, you know, we want to make sure that hey, if you've got network, you know, before someone else breaks it, you break it and, and make sure it's all, all secured afterwards. And finally, at the top of our food chain, we have the CompTIA Advanced, CompTIA Advanced Security Practitioner, CSP Plus. We love our pluses. <laughs> <laughs> and that's for our, our cybersecurity architects. So what we say to that is, hey, you know, we've got CSSP out there in the market, but you sometimes need people who are a bit more of a, of a technical orientated rather than uh, governance orientated. So that's why we actually uh, created our CSP, CASP exam uh, on, on, on behalf of those people that want to be a bit more technical. Um, what's quite interesting, actually, Holly, we actually don't create our exams ourselves. We use subject matter experts. Mm -hmm. So these subject matter experts, are just like yourself, Holly, are, are out there working the field, doing the actual job role. And we basically say, hey, you know, come and help us develop this exam uh, on behalf of the industry. So we actually fly the subject matter experts out into our head office in Chicago in the US and we put you in a room for a week. We might feed you for feeling kind, but you know, basically <laughs> you say, hey, don't come out until you've got us the right standard for this job role. And they, actually the entire process kind of begins a bit further back from that. Uh, we actually have companies come and tell us that this is what they want. So in the 1993, it was the, you know, the IBMs and Microsoft, et cetera. And every so often it's always been the big companies that have come to us until 2015. 2015 was when all the different hacks were happening. So for example, imagine the Target hack in the US, I believe that was in 2014. Uh, and lots of different organizations were thinking, hey, we don't have the skills to protect ourselves against these different hacks. So we had a, a retail organizations approach us, financial institutions, even a church, an archdiocese approached us and said, hey, CompTIA, you are the voice of the IT industry. You keep on saying, you know, we're all about advancing the IT industry. What are you going to do about the lack of security analysts out there? So that's why we comp uh, created the CompTIA Cybersecurity Analyst, CISA Plus, uh, which was, came out in February 2017. And so now we're going to update it again in February 2020. Uh, and basically, that's become the best pure blue team skills certification out there. Um, what has happened though, as soon as we launched that last, uh, in, sorry, in February 2017, we had the people who love red teaming came to us and said, hey, what are you going to do for us? And what's quite interesting was, again, it wasn't a big company, an IT company that came to us. 
It was actually a casino in Vegas. Says, hey, we get hacked every few seconds, or get people trying to hack us every few seconds. What are you can do for us, CompTIA? So they actually led the development of the Pentest Plus. So it's been quite interesting how the different organizations, not just IT organizations, come to us and said they need help. Oh, that sounds awesome. I think um, so. We've got what continuing development there every three years, looking at the content and see if it's uh, to the right standard, it's still uh, to the right quality. But I really like the the getting subject matter experts in. You know, you guys aren't dictating to industry where the line should be. It's it's pulling the other way, right? It's getting the industry to tell you. That sounds. Um, Sounds really interesting. I think uh, one of the things that was shocking for me, even being certified, is um, when I last spoke to you, just the range of certifications. You've run through a few there, but I think even people who are more aware of things like, you know, the network plus the security plus those kinds of things might listen to that list you've just you've just given us and say, oh, I didn't didn't know all of these had come out. And um, I think saying new certifications coming out back in 2017, you know, that's recent. So it's continuing development of, of content. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so I was, we're all about continuing professional development. So I mentioned we update our certifications every three years. Mm-hmm. We also expire our certifications every three years. So the Pentest Plus that I think you took last year will go yeah. on for uh, for two more years, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then you need to go and do something else. So it it's not a case of you can, as you know, in, in, in cyber and tech, you can't stand still. The minute mm-hmm. you stand still, you become a dinosaur. So we really want people to go and keep on upskilling themselves. And they don't have to go and re- retake the exam per se. They can do uh, different continuing education activities. For example, you can go and, and submit your work experience, submit your speaking engagements, and that will help you to renew your certification as well. So when, we're not saying that it's, 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 you must do it by one format. You know, you know, if, you know, there is more than one way to skin a cat and there's more than one way to renew your certification. So, but what we want to do is make sure that people from, say, 2002 who've got Security Plus, that's when we first launched it, aren't getting the job roles today saying, hey, I, I'm relying upon the Security Plus from you know, 17 yeah, years yeah. ago and, I'm, and I can do this job role for you. We want people to say, actually, they've got the latest and greatest version to make sure that our, our networks, our organization are cyber resilient. Uh, you mentioned um, our other certifications mm-hmm. that we're doing out there. Now, what we sometimes forget about is, you know, we love our cybersecurity pathway. We also have a whole lot of, what I would say, more business-orientated certifications. So we have things like our Project Plus, uh, uh, which is more for individuals who don't necessarily need to be as a proficient in terms of Prince2 or PMP. They just might be working within a project team. So that Project Plus gives you a nice little starter of understanding what's going on when you talk about things like work breakdown structures or a scope of work and all these wonderful terminologies that someone working with a project needs to know. I think the terminology is such an important thing as well. When you're working for something where that's not your job role, but you work with those people, right? You want to be speaking the same language. So I was actually personally looking at the uh, the Project Plus because we run projects here, right? We're doing our own kind of development. And uh, yeah, sometimes when you're talking to project managers, they're using words like you just used there and it's like, I don't know what you're saying. So sometimes those entry-level certifications can be useful just for, you know, co-working and, and getting on with your colleagues and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what we are, are seeing nowadays, you know, in, in the age of digital, I don't know if you, you do uh, what I do, Holly, you know, I, I love to sometimes go onto YouTube and see, you know, what, what's out there. I like to see people actually delivering CompTIA content on YouTube, which is quite interesting. And I, uh, and what's been quite surreal is some of these people have got this little whiteboard in the background and they're talking to the whiteboard or they're talking to the slide deck. And one of the certifications that we actually do is the CTT Plus, the CompTIA Certified Technical Trainer. And that just teaches you how to train. I think a lot of people need to go and take that certification. 
Yeah, I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? People, um, ah, there's this term that people use, soft skills. It, it honestly, it makes me twitch that that phrase, soft skills, because they're important and they're not easier than other skills, right? It's not like the technical stuff's hard and the and the presenting skills or the report writing skills are easy. They're just different, but just as important. Absolutely, you know, you know, one of the things we say in cyber is you all have to be good communicators and problem solvers. How do you become a good communicator and problem solver? It's, I think, it's like anything, you know, you know, when you say, you know, want to run a marathon, you have to have to go out and run every day. If you, if you want to train, you have to go out and, and pretty much train every day and actually know the tips and tricks that will make you a better trainer or better person to work in a project. Uh, we're also looking now at developing people with cloud business skills. So um, we are revamping our, new, our Cloud Essentials exam later this year. So we're putting a plus against it. So it's going to be Cloud Essentials plus. And that's now m- more focused upon, okay, what do business people need to know about you know, going into the cloud? And especially in the age of cyber, where you know, if you don't configure your cloud correctly, or if you make some wrong decisions, you can actually come back and bite you quite a bit. So you know, it's getting not just the case of, hey, you've got a technical experts who can speak cloud and know the AWS from their Azure and your GCP, uh, but they also have the case of, right, if I'm going to move my organization to the cloud, or if I'm doing any operations cloud, what does that mean to me as a technical manager or a non-technical manager as well? Yeah, that's another another good example of terminology, but I think also that leads into risk, doesn't it? Because a lot of companies will are aware from from moving to the cloud, not because it's not the right solution for them, but just because they're not aware of it. You know, if they're if they're not familiar with the cloud, they're not going to you know be advocates for those kinds of improvements. I think the danger is people think they know the cloud, but they don't really know it. So you know, with our wonderful iPhones, we get the iCloud, and you know, <laughs> everyone loves their little OneDrive or Dropbox, way they like to call it. Now, you know, but the problem is, you know, here I'm trying to be weather neutral, trying to get everyone's names in. Uh, but the, the point is, because we are it's so ubiquitous and that is that easy access and it's everywhere, and for, we all kind of fall in the trap like, hey, I know this technology, but we're more users of technology rather than being practitioners of it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I have a question, though. So we've talked about uh, certifications and we've talked about the roadmap. Does that mean that there is a, a typical kind of person that, that are targeted for these certifications or will they work for lots of different kinds of people? So, for example, is it just graduates or is it broader? Well, that's a great question because we believe in you can come at any point. So in terms of, you know, if you're a career changer, you might have had so many years, say, working as a as a plumber or electrician, whatever, you might say, okay, right, I, I want to work in this industry, but where do you start? Because we've been talking a lot of geek lately in this, in this conversation you know, about terminology. If you don't understand that terminology, you, you really will be quite far away rather than just in terms of you can just jump in and say, I'll go do my CSSP or whatever it might be. So you might want to actually look further down our, our, our roadmap and see, okay, right, what certification can I take to understand the terminology, understand how networks function, understand how devices operate in a secure manner. And then it's a case of kind of working your way up. The issue I sometimes think is some people think, I already know this. And the problem is, and I hate to say it, sometimes graduates have that most oper- uh, element where, hey, I don't need to take a computer network plus, and I, I should just jump into security plus. And then they wonder why they don't pass because <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't defend you can't protect what you don't know how, how it's made up. So if you don't understand how networks are deployed, maintained, and operated, how do you secure it? 
So what we say to uh, like you say, for example, computer science graduates, like go back and look at the network plus. If you if you look at the exam objectives, which are freely available on our website to download, if you truly can say I know all of that, then yeah, by all means, jump into security plus. But if you're just a little bit doubt, there's nothing wrong with just going back a step. And then going forward, I always say to my eight-year-old, you know, sometimes the way forward is the way back. It's not my line, it's from The Labyrinth, but it's a great <laughs> movie from the 80s. But if you if you think that so much makes sense because learning isn't a case of, it's not going to be a, an, a journey from A to Z. You, you're going all the way around before you actually get that skill. And sometimes we forget our skills and we just have to go back and refresh ourselves. So in terms of you know, graduates, I would say they would be ideal for certification as well as um, career changes and even people in the role because sometimes when you're in service, you might know everything about that particular role, but the industry is a bit more broader and that's where certification can broaden your horizons a bit more. That sounds great. I think uh, there's there's one extra thing to that as well, and of course that's that's uh, me taking the Pentest Plus. So we spoke about this before last time I saw you, but uh, the audience, of course, won't know. I took the Pentest Plus exam for a little bit of a different reason. And I think it's something that people who've been in security or been in pen testing for a long time should consider. The Pentest Plus is a fairly new exam, right? So we start to see people applying to this organization who want to be pen testers or junior pen tester positions, and they have this certification. And of course, it can be difficult for us to, to grade that. It's okay, what does the exam cover? At what level of difficulty is it? So I originally took that exam for that reason. So when we get somebody applying and they have it on their, on their CV, it's like, okay, I know what level they're at now, or I know what that certification means. So that's another reason as well. Well, that's a great thing. Uh, you mentioned that. I, I always believe in like drinking your own champagne. Yeah. So um, I would say to my colleagues, like, you know, if we work for Cadbury's, now would we not never eat our own chocolate sort of thing? So I always make sure that myself and my colleagues go in and do the exam. And that's the best way to actually then get that kind of flavor it. Because once you know what's in it and you've had that experience, I don't care if people pass or fail, to be honest, but you, you know, especially on, if you're on the hiring side, uh, then at least you have an indication of what's in there. And so when, like you quite rightly said, if someone's across the table and says, hey, I've got the Pentest Plus or I've got XYZ exam, you say to them, okay, so how did you find that? And whatnot, okay, within reason, we have a non-disclosure agreement, you can't discuss exam <laughs> questions. <laughs> but obviously you can then gauge what level they're at and that way you can actually ask more pertinent questions. And and at the end of the day, we're all about uh, you know, making it easy for people to access cybersecurity jobs. That's what certifications do for people at the end of the day. Yeah, I think a big part of it as well from from the hiring side is is knowing the weaknesses of an exam, not because the exam is somewhat flawed, but because it can't cover everything, right? So when we're hiring uh, graduates from universities, for example, we like to know what what's covered on your exam. Because if we've made the decision to hire this person, like, yep, you're at a good level for us to bring you in as a junior, we want to know, all right, what don't you know? So then we can come up with, is there another certification or do we just need to do an internal training plan, come up with something ourselves to to help you on that that way? So I, I, said, uh, I said a second ago, the Pentest Plus is a, a fairly new exam, isn't it? Um, when I first heard of it, it, it was a beta exam. What, what's a beta exam? Uh, so uh, when we do beta exams, it's a case of, uh, you know, we've launched a new certification mm -hmm. out there where the objectives are brand new. Um, and, and we just want to basically test the market. So if I just went for, go for the exam development process. So we start off with you know, that initial demand from employers saying, hey, we need this certification. Okay. Then we do a job test analysis. So we use a whole bunch of SMEs, such as experts, and say, okay, right, what should be, so what should a competent person in this job role should be able to do? So that's basically creates our uh, certification standard, if you like, or syllabus. 
We then go through the process of exam development. So, and that's where we develop a whole lot of questions, which are a mixture of, of multiple choice questions and performance-based questions. And then we then uh, get it out to the marketplace to test. So when you have a beta exam, we pretty much say, right, this is the pretty much the full pool of questions we've developed. How, have we actually got it right? Is this the right kind of level of content? So what we're trying to do from the um, um, the people who take the, take the beta is for them to tell us whether we've got the exam uh, on the right mark, or are we completely messed up? Has there something we did in the between the job test analysis and actually creating questions? We've missed something that's quite critical. And if you think about it, it takes between that initial conversation from organ organizations to delivering a beta exam about about a good year. There's a lot of things can change that in that year. So we want to make sure that by the time we hit the market with the exam, it's absolutely fresh. So it's more a case of once you take, take a beta exam, it, you, you get this nice little message at the end saying, hey, thank you. Uh, we'll get be in touch when we uh, launch the real exam, which can be about three to six months because <laughs> okay, we have to go back and read every single comment, make any changes. And when the uh, exam launches on that launch day, you get a nice little email from us saying, oh, congratulations, you've passed the exam. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I think that's... Uh... That's one of the things exams have changed, haven't they? Or, or certifications have changed over the last couple of decades where these days it's it's on a computer, right? You sit down on a terminal, answer questions, and then some of them you, you get to the end and it can tell you yes or no at the end, which which is good for people who, who have anxiety and they need that like yeah. immediate response. Absolutely. You know, with all our exams that are in, in production, as I, was, I would say, they would give you your instant result and uh, you get an instant gratification, which is pretty awesome because you know, at the end of the thing, phew, all right, I'm, I'm going home now. I'd have to, uh, can I relax and open open a can of beer wherever you're into? So in the terms of, I'd say, what's been the biggest change in exams, you know, back in 93, for example, and certainly when I did my A plus back in 2005, and I'll tell you about that in a second, um, the exams were just all multiple choice, you know, A, B, C, D, okay? What we're finding now is, um, especially with our exams now on the Department of Defense mandate, so if you're doing uh, business with the Department of Defense or you're in the Department of Defense in some form or manner, you have to have some kind of certification where it's CompTIA, where it's IC squared or ISACA, you know, insert other organization here. And then um, what, what their demand has been driven is more hands-on practical-based questions. So that's why we created performance-based questions where you might have a network map and say things like, hey, we think we're in compromise. We're not sure. Go check the logs and suggest a mitigation action. That's just one question. And when you think about you got 90 minutes, 90 questions, you have to be very good on your timing. And, and that actually helps you with things like instant response. So, for example, if you're working in the security operation center where time is of an essence, where you've found a cybersecurity event, that's a very good way to kind of build up that skill of being able to triage something quite quickly and if needed, move up to, move up to next level. Yeah, I think that that's a good thing to point out for people looking at these kind of certifications. You know, you, you say on paper it's multiple choice, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean what people think it means, does it? You know, these performance-based questions can be uh, quite different to, to the stereotype of a multiple choice question. Right, so I think we've covered certifications, exams, quite in depth there. What what does the organization do outside of exams? How how do you help people in other ways? So one of the things that we talked about, uh, or briefly touched upon, was workforce development. So uh, for since about 2010 in the US, been, we've been running a program called IT Ready. Mm -hmm. So what IT Ready is, is a case of 
taking people who are unemployed or underemployed. And what we mean by underemployed are people say working in McDonald's or jobs that will soon be made redundant by the rise of the robots. <laughs> uh, and saying, okay, right, what could we do with them in, in eight weeks to go through a boot camp so they can actually work in first line entry job roles? So the idea behind that was basically for them to go through a program where they would cover the A+, a whole other bunch of other technical skills, but also soft skills. And by the end of the eight weeks, that we would help them to find a job role as a first-line technician, for example. So that's been quite successful since uh, in the in the US. In the UK, though, uh, we've been we've been looking at uh, doing an, an IT ready pilot for some time, and I'm pleased to say we're going to be doing an IT ready pilot in um, September in Lancashire. So please watch all company communications about that. That's going to be launching very very soon. Uh, but since uh, September of last year, I've been running a program called Cyber Ready. Now, what Cyber Ready is, is actually, uh, I would say it's the next step after being an IT technician. That's more focused upon taking people working as technicians or related roles. So, for example, we've had people working as software developers or maybe people who've you know, graduated uh, from university with a technical degree but not doing anything with it. Uh, and they might be working, say, for example, in, in sales or whatever and getting them to then upskill into being cybersecurity professionals. But a trick of CyberReady is because we're looking at people who are career changers, so it's more about reskilling and upskilling. So when you think about career changers, they can't really go into a boot camp scenario. They've got to think about how to upskill during uh, non-office hours. So we've been doing a, a managed flipped classroom approach. So over six months, they will get access to online learning, hands-on labs, because we all know in, in cyber, you've got to have all that experience there. Also, adaptive questioning. By putting all those three elements together, people uh, on the program would be able to um, upskill uh, in terms of getting the uh, the CompTIA Security Plus and the CompTIA Cyber Security Analyst. What, why it's managed is because if they don't do their minimum eight hours a week, they will get a nice little email from us saying, hello, when are you going to get this work done by? So it's keeping people on track. I don't know if about you, Holly. Is anyone some, anyone gives me online training? I never really complete it unless I'm forced to. Oh yeah, that's the thing. You've got so many other things going on in your life, right? That it's very easy for it to become the next thing on the to do list, but you, you never, get, never to get to the next thing, right? You're exactly. Just, you're working on other things. And there's actually statistics out that that say uh, if you do an online uh, a MOOC, a massive open online course, there's only a thirteen percent completion rate. Get success rate. So here I'm talking about even getting through the end of a course. Yeah, wow. Okay. So uh, with with Cyber Ready, they, they, uh, we would get basically make sure everyone's kind of managed through the course, doing a minimum eight hours a week of, of learning. And then on a monthly basis on a Saturday, we'll get them into a, a workshop, um, depending to closer location. We ran the Cyber Ready pilots in Leeds mm -hmm. and London, but we had people from across the UK. So we had uh, people coming down as from Newcastle, you know, Warrington to the Leeds hub. Uh, we had people in from Plymouth and from Cambridgeshire all going down to the London Hub. And the great thing about that kind of physical workshop was the idea of community. Because the thing is, we're all social people. We like to know that we, when we see different names on, a, on, on, our, on our Slack, we run a cyber race Slack, now who they are and, and kind of establishing those relationships. So it's a case of getting that social motivation, social peer learning, as well as get, doing a bit of masterclass learning. And getting great speakers like yourself, Holly. Yay. I believe you came and spoke, uh, spoke to our uh, Leeds Hub uh, about the wonderful world of pen testing. So, event inspire inspiration. Because as you can imagine, uh, the program ran over six months. Mm -hmm. 
in a, some very long winter nights at the beginning <laughs> of the of the program because it ran from September to uh, March, September 2018 to March 2019. So lots of long hours uh, of where they would like have to. I've got to get this work done. It's winter. It's Christmas. I want to do something else, as well as as we got in, in March. Just oh, I want to go outside. So it's kind of like getting people to keep on motivating track and. Uh, people like yourself, Holly, when that came and talked to us, said, hey, I want to do what she does. I want to go and learn more of that. So it does help keep people who are com- completely career changers mm-hmm. or uh, to kind of think about, now, uh, you know, it's that whole adage or in, in cybersecurity, you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And getting that guest speaker bit is helps them to imagine and visualize themselves like in two, three years time, I want to do what she's doing. And the great thing about uh, flip classroom type programs is diversity. And we always talk about you know how how lack mm-hmm. of diversity we have in tech. I believe the latest tech, uh, sorry, latest diversity figures in in cyber or tech in general is nineteen percent of of the cyber workforce are women. Nineteen compared to forty nine percent of the UK workforce is kind of crazy. Fifteen uh, percent is BAME in tech, which might sound uh, great as it were, but I think we can do a bit better. But it's not more in the senior roles. Uh, BAME is Black Asian Minority Ethnic. Uh, we also have, um, if I look at a European figure for cyber uh, women, mm-hmm. uh, we only have 7% in Europe, which are of European workforce are women in, in, in cyber, which is absolutely crazy. So we need to kind of change the narrative here. Now, why can't women, why can't BAME, why can't neurodiverse people access these opportunities? Uh, it's because the traditional five-day classroom don't work for those individuals. So we have to look at different managed blended programs where we can easily feed those people through a whole lot of geek speak, a whole lot of hard, deep technical skills, but of, of, a, of a longer period of time. So by the time they come to the end of the program, it's, they've assimilated it and they can actually now go and into interviews and speak geek. As well. I think I think there's a few things there, right? But on the diversity thing... Um, it's difficult with statistics, isn't it? Because it depends what you're measuring. So if we say, for example, you know, the gender split in STEM will be different to the gender split in computer science, will be different to the gender split in my role of pen testing, where it's, in my experience, very low. And and I think sometimes people don't don't think about how it how it differs. And sometimes that, that trickle through from becoming a technical right up to becoming a very specific niche technical role. And then absolutely, as you point out, diversity is more than gender, right? Mm. It's the one that I always get asked about, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I think uh, the good thing is just just getting people thinking about it. And absolutely, we can, you know, we can run these programs that support people. But I think for a lot of people, it's just, just getting people thinking about it. And especially for those people who are in those diversity groups where it's like, actually, you can do this. So sometimes when you say getting people together for for these training programs, that can be as simple as just like, look, let's introduce you to a network where there's support there. Or one of the things for the social side for for, for me when, when learning new skills is just showing that other people struggle as well, right? If you're doing distance learning and you're doing eight hours a week or something like that, and you're at home and you're thinking, wow, this is really difficult to just get together with other people who are going through the same process. Sometimes that gives you a boost that goes, oh, it's not me. I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. stupid or struggling. It's just, it's hard content, right? It's technical. So I think that there's a lot of uh, benefits to to that kind of networking side of things. And also bringing the subject matter experts in, right? I probably shouldn't use that term because I was one of the presenters, but you know what I mean? Of getting getting people in who are doing that role already. Because if you're looking at reskilling or retreading, moving into a new industry, you have an impression of what that industry is like, and sometimes it's good to just talk to people who are doing the job. It's like, all right, is my impression accurate to to their experiences? I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's a very important point I think you said there because 
uh, when I started the Cyber Ready program, I was thinking the statistics, and I looked, the statistics at the time was, you know, there's 17% of, of females in tech. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, fantastic. I'll be able to get a, a, a classroom, for, or even half a classroom full of females in, my, in, in, in for Cyber Ready. And I got 20%. Yeah. And it was gutting, Holly. And, I, and, and then I went back and looked at statistics again. And you're right. It's not just tech. When they mentioned that statistic, mm-hmm. it's like things like digital marketing, traditional media. And I'm thinking like, that's not tech. That's Photoshop. That's you know, using things like Google Analytics. Okay. Yeah. So when we're looking for people who have that kind of background, they just didn't exist. So sometimes it's, again, changing the narrative. So what can we do to get more females or you know, non-technical professionals into cyber is then, you know, like I said, you can go back further down the food chain. So CyberReady was focused on creating cybersecurity analysts. So when we've had, we've had people go on for a program working for the likes of Airbus, BAE Systems, um, Lawyers Banking Group, and they're all gone into an analyst role. But before they could actually go and do the Security Plus, they had to demonstrate networking, networking skills. And a lot of individuals couldn't demonstrate that. So when we talk, talk about reskilling the workforce, we sometimes have to think about, okay, not, everything's not equal. So let's go a bit further down the food chain and teach them the networking skills before we move further up. That sounds awesome. And I think for a lot of uh, people looking to get into industry, it certifications can just help in your own confidence, right? When you sit down with it in your interview, one of the questions might be something like, you know, why do you think you're fit for this role or what skills do you have that are relevant to this role? And sometimes it can just give you a little boost, can't it? To just say, you know, I attended this program and I, I spoke to people who are doing this job. I've, I've uh, passed this certification and, and it's building on um, that, that personal confidence. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. We've recently launched uh, a new study with IDC. Uh, about the impact of competitive certifications. And not only does it help individuals get that job role, it helps them with getting a, a promotion very quickly. So we we found that people who are, have got, who are certified, especially with Security Plus, are five times more likely to get promoted compared to someone who is not certified. So that is a very important statistic. So it's not just a case of it you know, gets your job, it keeps you in a job and you know, makes you uh, move further up the, the hierarchy. Yeah, I mean, even just that that roadmap that we discussed earlier, right? It can tell you what what is a potential next step because you don't want people to take a certification and then sit at that level, right? You know, it's it's a career thing. So you want someone to to uh, pass a certification, get a job, and then be thinking, okay, what can I do next? How can I develop further? Or how, how can I help other people develop further as well? So, so Holly, you mentioned our roadmap. We actually have two different roadmaps on our website. So there's our own CompTIA Cybersecurity Career Roadmap mm-hmm. and kind of shows you how all certifications interact together. Uh, I implore your listeners to actually go and check out our big certification roadmap, which doesn't just include CompTIA certifications, but includes stuff from Microsoft, AWS, Cisco, insert other big vendor organization here. And it kind of shows you how from entry to expert, how all the different certifications interact together. It's a great tool. So I used to, ha- I, when I was doing these exams, I used to have one of these on, on my um, um, wall at home and I used to tick off the exams I take, <laughs> which is quite quite gratifying. Like, hey, I've got all these exams. Unfortunately, it now uh, it used to look like a London road, uh, London tube map. Uh, now it looks more like a, a circuit board. So there's a lot more <laughs> certifications on there. So yeah, there's no way I'm going to get through that list. But it does definitely help when hiring managers are looking at case. Right. So, you know, how does a GX certification interact with a, a ISC squared? How does it interact with a Cisco certification? So they can actually see at different levels what people can bring to the table. 
So I, I would definitely ask um, your, your listeners to go and download the nice PDF version, stick up on your wall if you like to. But there's also an interactive version where they can drop down and, and see the different uh, certifications and then click through to the, to the different websites to learn a bit more about the uh, certs. Yeah, I think it's great. Actually, I stumbled across it this morning whilst looking for the other roadmap, mm. the the um, the one that just has uh, your certifications in it. And I thought it was really good because it's not the only certifying body out there, right? There's there's lots of options. And also sometimes those options are at different levels. You mentioned earlier with the the Project Plus. It's like, okay, so maybe you'll have an aspiration to get the Prince certifications, but maybe that's uh, too far for your requirement or it's too much of a, a jump initially so you can take the Project Plus. And I think having that roadmap where it's like, you know, what I guess what's the right term? It's like beginner, intermediate, expert, and having those gradients across the wider example. It's like such a useful tool. Yeah, we're always looking to update. And I, I, I saw on LinkedIn the other day where some individual was saying, hey, it doesn't have this certification, it doesn't have that certification. I said, <laughs> okay, there's only so much we can do, you know. <laughs> but it's a case of, you know, uh, sometimes we we have to think about there's, there's so much out there. And if you don't actually have somewhere to start from, how do you know what else is out there? So if people say, hey, it doesn't have this, that, just just drop us an email and you know we'll we'll, we'll look into that certification and see if it meets our requirements because we have to make sure we're not putting you know company XYZ certification and then it has no value to the industry. We have to make sure it has, actually has some real value. So I guess uh, a question I've got for you would be if somebody's been listening, right? We've been talking for 40 minutes or something now and they're saying this all sounds awesome. You know, they haven't worked with, with this organization before. Maybe they haven't done these kinds of certifications before, but they're either in a junior position in computer science or they're looking to move into computer science. What would you say the next step for them should be? Well, it depends. I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but I, I think if it's the case of you want to go work in cyber, and we just mentioned you know, a few job roles there, cybersecurity mm-hmm. analyst, cybersecurity uh, penetration tester, there's, there's so much out there, so many opportunities. Okay, uh, We actually have a, a cybersecurity career hub. So I would say Google CompTIA Cybersecurity Hub. It'll come to a nice little page full of different resources, blog articles, uh, links to videos and whatnot. Have an explora- exploration of that, that um, of the different uh, articles on there and find what you like. I think that's a very important thing to understand because you know, I'm more of a, like a, a network defender, I guess. I prefer the security analyst side. I'm not a pen tester. Sorry, Heli. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that doesn't interest me. But, you know, it depends. You know, there's different roles for different people out there. I, I would definitely recommend you look at the security job site. Uh, so, so, so look at the cybersecurity CompTIA hub. Uh, I would also say is, uh, there's a website that if you are exploring cybersecurity in general and different uh, careers there, cyberseek.org. It's a great little platform. We developed that for the U.S. It's based on the, the U.S. NICE framework, which stands for the National Institute or National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education. Uh, nice little, we all love our acronyms, don't we? Acronyms in, cyber, in okay? technology, we love them. Yeah. So if you look at cyberseek.org and click on the pathway tab, you can click through and have, have a nice little interactive pathway of what different job roles there are in cyber and the kind of certifications, the skills and aptitudes that employers are looking for. So a great place to start there. Sounds awesome. I think one thing we we were talking about earlier as well is a big thing that maybe we haven't covered is just networking, right? It's just getting contact with people who have who've done these exams before, who are working in industry, those kinds of things. I know for me, that was a cool thing for the Cyber Ready program of just like, hey, here's some people who work in industry you can talk to. But I think people can take that on themselves, right? They can look for people who work in industry and try and grow that network a little bit. Yeah, I, I totally think it's the case. So, you know, in, in cyber, it's all about community. And you know, I think one of the best places to probably start is 
Twitter. You know, just follow yourself and holly on there and whatnot, and and just find out what, you know which kind of events that you know your, your superheroes are, are talking at, and just going and seeing them and saying hello. I think that's a really great advantage, and just going out there and and saying, hey, I'm interested in cyber. What's out there? And and you know, every everyone has a different story. There's no you'll you'll hear people saying, hey, this I got got into cyber. There's no one story to it. There's, Many different stories. I, I know, for example, a poker player that's fallen into, into cyber. Yeah. I know an electrician who's doing great stuff in cyber. So I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but get, basically, there's so much out there. So go out and 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 network, meet people, go into different events. And you know, if infosec is free, that we do different types of events across the years in this industry. And 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 yeah, talk to us. And and you know, I'm more than happy for um, your listeners to reach out to me on on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. Uh, not Facebook, but <laughs> uh, that's, that's for family. Uh, but yeah, p- feel free to reach out to me. And yeah, I'm more than happy to keep the conversation going. I think uh, I think that's such a big thing as well. It's uh, people ask. So certainly with, with pen testing, which is a romanticized job, right? They're like, oh, how did you get into pen testing? It's like, is that the actual question that you've got? It's like, do you want to know how I got into pen testing? Or do you want to know the ways, the many, many ways that you can get into pen testing? I think that's funny. I get that at uh, networking events all the time. Where it's like, okay, I'll tell you my story, but then we'll we'll take a break and I'll tell you all of the other paths. Uh, but yeah, reaching out, that's the that's the best way, right? So I think that's everything. That's everything on on my list at least. Did you have anything that you you wanted to bring up? The one thing I would always say, and I and I've kind of alluded to it before, is never stop learning. You know, um I actually began my career in taking certifications back in Japan in 2005. When I came back to UK, I was able to find a job instantly. And for me, you know, my journey has been all about based on the certifications, you know, I've kept up my skills that way. But if you keep on learning, you know, if it, even it's like, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour a day, you'll always be successful in whatever industry you were working in. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. I hope the audience uh, found something that they that was useful to them in that. But if you think there's anything that we missed or if there's any of those links that you want to, uh, to hear more about, uh, let us know on social media. We'll make sure that everyone can find those pages that we reference and things like that. I'll, uh, I'll add a link to the roadmaps and, and those kinds of things that we mentioned. But if I miss any, just reach out on social media. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening.